0: Morning, everybody. Uh, my name is David Sorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Hey, before we get into our message this morning, uh, if you weren't here last week, we mentioned that we are indeed, uh, due to our exponential growth at this place, going to four services uh, starting on January 8th, which is gonna allow us more space to tell people about Jesus. Take a look around. Not a lot of empty chairs. Uh, we've got people parking all over the road. Many of you just did, and we already pre-parked 40 Cars of staff and key volunteers over at the daycare—it's a bit crazy right now. And what we want is there to be space, as we have plenty of visitors every single Sunday. Space for them to come in. So we are looking for a hundred of you, ideally, to shift from this service at 10:15 to 11:30 come January. So it's a small sacrifice, but a way that you can sacrifice and make room for other people to hear about. Jesus, I'd love for you to do that. Also, due to our really, really fast growth, we are going to be starting one, possibly even two, uh, house groups in January. Uh, We don't normally uh, start house groups in January. Usually it's just right in September. But there are a lot of you that are new, and we'd love to get you in a group. House groups are kind of our bread and butter here at Renovation Church. How many of you are in a house group and you love it? All right. Look at look at that. That's amazing. Okay. This is what we do. It's a core part of our church. Uh, you know, one of our core values is that we know that our faith thrives in community, but it struggles when we're in isolation. This book spells out a recipe for you, for your faith to really grow. And your faith grows when you actually live it out with other people. Uh, Christianity is not a spectator sport. So we'd love for you to get in a house group. If you're kind of fuzzy on what house groups are. They're kind of unique. We have 30 some people uh, together that meet every single week. Looks almost more like a house church than a typical church small group. They're intergenerational. You get in a group of people that you can get to know and you can do life with and study the word with and grow in your faith with. However, if we're going to do this in January, we need a couple of things logistically to make this happen. Uh, Number one, We're gonna start both of these groups, depending if it's one or two and how many sign up, on Wednesday nights. Which means there will be house group childcare that we have at the building here for those nights. But we actually are gonna need more house group childcare workers It's a paid position. If you're interested in that, make a note on your connection card. The other thing we really need is host homes. And so the host is not the leader, they're just the host and then they're a part of the group. And so my question for you this morning is, do you have a house Uh, in this area? that you can use for this. I think it is such a blessing actually to have people in your home every week and God is impacting them and changing them uh, for the gospel. So if you can do that, would you make a note on your connection card? Or you can talk to our adult ministries pastor, uh, Pastor Josh uh, after the service. If you don't know Josh, you can just go out to the welcome table as well. And if you wanna be in one of these new house groups, what I would suggest as you actually just wait to sign up for a couple weeks, the sign-ups for the new groups will start January 1st. And so great to get in a brand new group, so we'd love to get you in that. Okay, thanks for letting me talk about that. Uh, this morning, uh, we are gonna get into our message. We're continuing, uh, as Pastor Matt said, in our Names of God series. We're right smack dab in the middle of this five-week series where we're taking a look at some of the more unique names of God in the scripture. And this morning, we're gonna take a, take a look at the name El Shaddai. Now, El Shaddai is a name that's used about God About 40 times or so in the Old Testament, which was uh, written in Hebrew, so El Shaddai is a Hebrew name, Uh, the word El is Hebrew for kind of the common usage of God, and Shaddai uh, means uh, strong or mountain sometimes, often it's translated almighty, and so in most English translations, when you see the Hebrew El Shaddai, it's translated as God Almighty, And so this morning, I want to take a look at the very first instance of El Shaddai in the Bible. So everybody grab a Bible. If you didn't bring one with you, there are uh, Bibles under the chair in front of you. They're under your chair if you're in the front row. We're going all the way back to page 10 today. Uh, We're going to be hanging out in Genesis again, actually, Genesis uh, chapter 17, and taking a look at uh, Abraham, who we hung out with a little bit last week. We actually meet Abraham in the Bible a number of chapters earlier, more like Genesis 10 and 11. And when we meet Abraham, he's already 75 years old. And he's married to a woman named Sarai, who eventually her name is changed to Sarah. And at this point, even though Abraham's already 75, she's 65, uh, they don't have any kids. And God comes to them with a bunch of amazing promises. He says, I'm going to take you to a new land, which eventually would be the land of Israel, And not only that, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars, which is crazy, right? Because they're, well, you know, 75 and 65, and they don't even have kids, and yet God has promised this to them. But the crazier thing yet, if you keep reading in Genesis, is that Sarah doesn't actually have this promised child, Isaac, for another 24 years after she gets the promise that it's happening. 24 years they waited. And what happened in those ensuing 24 years. What I want to do this morning is I want to look at our passage, and I want to talk a little bit, too, about the interim period, the 24 years, because I think there's a lot we can learn from that. So let's take a look at our passage, Genesis chapter 17. Uh, We're just starting right at that big number 17, the beginning of the chapter. It says this, when Abram, that's what Abraham's name used to be. We'll talk about that later. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Now you see that little letter right next to uh, Almighty? And if you've got the church Bible, there should be a little letter F. That's a footnote, so follow it to the footer at the bottom of the page, and what do you see for F? It says, Hebrew is El Shaddai. So that's where we get that phrase from. In Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. They've translated it, obviously, into English because we don't speak Hebrew, right? And so it says, God Almighty. So I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully, And be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants, so that eventually becomes Israel and eventually the Jews, after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, which would become Israel, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Okay, so this God Almighty, El Shaddai, reaffirms this amazing promise to Abraham and speaks of his covenant with him. And then later in the chapter, God says that Sarah, who's 89 at this point, is gonna have baby Isaac essentially in her arms by that time next year. Now, before we look at that amazing, amazing miracle from El Shaddai, let's talk about what happened in those 24 years from when they first heard that this amazing child Isaac was going to come to them. What was Abraham missing for those 24 years? I think of it this way, uh, both for Abraham and for us, really. We, as followers of God, we don't tend to live like God, or really honor and respect that he is El Shaddai, the God who can do all things in his mind. We don't tend to live like that when we're not waiting for his timing. And let me explain what I mean. Uh, First of all, some of you, you may know the background a little bit of the story. Others of you don't at all. We have people who are just becoming Christians every single week in this space. So some of you, you've just got your Bible from church. You're, You're working through our Bible pyramid. That's that little paper, have you ever seen on the front cover of our Bibles? It just basically walks you through what are the easiest books of the Bible to read first. And if you're doing that, that's great. Some of you, you need to start that. Maybe you're coming every week and you're like, I'm actually learning about God, this is great. I'd love for you to even investigate it on your own. We'd love for you to take a Bible and that Bible pyramid with you today and read it on your own. So maybe you don't know a ton of the background, maybe you know some of it, regardless of where you are, let me tell you kind of what happens right before this in the book of Genesis. So. 24 years earlier, before Genesis chapter 17, Abraham and Sarah, right, they hear that they're gonna get miraculously pregnant. But after 11 years of waiting, now if you've ever talked to anyone that's struggled with infertility, time ticks slowly. So imagine this, 11 years of waiting. Abraham and Sarah decide that they're tired of waiting. And what they decide to do is just to take matters into their own hands. And Sarah decides, somewhat shockingly here, that she's just gonna give her maidservant, Hagar, to Abraham, and then Abraham could just have a son or a child through her. And indeed, that does happen. And they have a son named Ishmael. And God says, when this happens, he says to Abraham, listen, your line through Ishmael is not gonna be blessed in the way that we were talking about because you can't get God's blessing if you're not walking in God's way, okay? You can't get God's blessing if you're not walking in God's way. They didn't trust him. They didn't trust that he was El Shaddai. The God who could do anything could even make Sarah in her old age pregnant. And I know some of you in your head, you're going, yeah, but she was, she was, she was like so old, okay? Like there's no way that that's even kind of, I don't know, physically, biologically possible. I would say if that's where you're at, then you're also gonna have a really hard time celebrating Christmas this year, which is a story about a woman who was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> so God can do miracles, and we believe in that as his followers. But some of you, you're in this spot right now, where you've been waiting for God, and you're waiting for God to move mightily, maybe answer some of your deepest prayers, but He just He just hasn't yet. And listen, it's not because He can't. Okay, He's He's El Shaddai, and it may be that it's not in His will. It, sorry, it may be that it's not in His will, and not in His plan. Sorry, that was just super crushing for me. We just literally had people walk in and walk out because there's no place to sit in here. Okay. Um, Okay. All right. The challenge for a lot of us is, sorry, I just need a second. It may, okay, it may be that it's not in his will for you. It may be that it's not in his plan. It may also be that it's not in his timing. The challenge is, I think, for a lot of us is that we are an impatient lot, right? Especially in the days of our instant gratification. Like some of you, you you haven't even gotten off your couch yet, right, to go Christmas shopping, okay? Like you're just at home and you're doing this, right? And then what happens, 10 seconds later, Amazon Prime is at your door, that's how they work, right? And so it's like, is it any wonder that in this culture we live, that we struggle to wait for God? I mean, could you wait for 24 years? By the way, parents, uh, let me just give you some parenting advice. I know this is going to be really hard, so put your seatbelt on for just a second here, okay? I want you, this is going to be really hard. I want you to do everything you can, at least make a step forward in this, to, whenever you can, not put a screen in front of your child when they have to wait, like when they have to wait at the doctor, or the dentist, or in the car, or at the restaurant. I know it makes it easier for you and for everybody else right now, but it makes it harder for them to learn the discipline of waiting later in life. And learning, this is just from a Christian perspective, learning to wait, especially learning to wait on God, is critical. And it is a skill they will absolutely need when they are a teenage believer in Jesus. And when they are a young adult believer in Jesus. Learning the discipline of sometimes you have to sit in the discomfort of waiting. And waiting is hard. It was hard for even Abraham and Sarah. And they gave up on it. Right? And listen, you read this book. They pay the price for not waiting. Have you never read this part of the Bible before? Read the few chapters around Genesis chapter 17, uh, especially uh, those parts about Ishmael, the son of Abraham's servant. It is as messy as all get out, and the mess is a direct consequence of not waiting, of them taking matters into their own hands. And I think those chapters in Genesis ought ought to be a warning for us as followers of God. Like, okay, let's say you're in this situation, and and a, a number of you in this room are, Let's say you're waiting on a godly spouse. You're asking God to bring someone very good looking into your life who loves the Lord that you can marry, right? And it's taking a long time. I'm telling you, you cannot fix this situation by dating someone who doesn't follow God and just hoping that they'll meet him along the way. So you know what that is? That's doing what Abraham and Sarah did. It's taking matters into your own hands rather than waiting for God. For others of you, if you're waiting to be honored, to be promoted in your career, taking a job that doesn't honor God, or or takes you away from coming to worship Him, or serving Him, isn't the route you wanna go, because we don't find God's blessing on the road of disobedience. And in many ways, I think what the Lord was doing during those 24 years was waiting for Abraham and Sarah to figure that out, to realize that they weren't gonna find his El Shaddai power if they just kept trying to do it themselves, especially by going against his ways, right? And so let me ask you, is there anywhere in your life right now where you are looking for God's blessing, but truthfully, you're not waiting for his timing? There's a big connection here, right, between timing and obedience. I'll uh, look again uh, at Genesis uh, chapter 17. I'm gonna look at verses uh, one through two and show you what I mean. It says this, when Abram, again that's Abraham eventually, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Okay, so what is it that El Shaddai asks of Abraham? He wants him to walk what? Faithfully, faithfully with him. And I think that's the second thing that we miss often when we don't get that God is El Shaddai. So firstly, we don't wait for his timing, but we don't treat him like he actually is El Shaddai when we don't walk faithfully with him. So if you keep reading in this passage and then you keep reading through the Old Testament, what you see is that God is establishing an everlasting covenant with Abraham and his descendants. He talks about that in verse seven if you wanna study that later. It's a covenant for them to be a fruitful nation, to live in the promised land. But they can actually be removed from it if they don't do their part. Now temporarily, and that actually did happen in history. And that's because a covenant is an agreement between two parties, not just one. Now, as Christians, we live under what's called the new covenant, okay? That's where Jesus has died for our sins and it's through our faith in him that we are forgiven. But we still play a role in the continuing relationship with God. And one of the ways we do that is the New Testament tells us that we are to be holy as he is holy. We are to live with him. And despite what you may hear from some TikTok evangelists, God is not a vending machine that is just waiting to bless you indiscriminately. So if your daily walk I'm not talking about just how you look for the 60 minutes you're in this room. I'm talking about your daily walk is not reflective of him. I'm talking about what you act like at work. Do your coworkers know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you act like a follower of Jesus Christ? I'm talking about what are you like when you're at home with your family, your roommates, I'm talking about what are you like when you're driving in the car by yourself and the person in front of you is going 20 miles an hour below the speed limit? What are you like, right? Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to be perfect because we're not, right? But I'm saying if you are consistently walking in a way that is not the way of Jesus, but then you're coming here on Sunday mornings and you're going, El Shaddai, here's what I need in my life. I want you to do this, this, and this. He's going to say no. And let me tell you why I say that, and it might not even be what you're thinking. He's gonna say no, most likely, I'm not him, I don't know what he's gonna do, but most likely he's going to say no because what he wants more than anything is your heart. He actually wants you and your life. And I think he would say to many of you, if I just answer your prayers... you're going way over here instead of this way, and I just boom, 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 and I answer all your prayers, and I never get your heart, then you're gonna do exactly what I warned about in Romans chapter one, is you're just gonna eventually start worshiping created things and never the creator. Now that doesn't mean that God only blesses people who always have their life perfectly together. I mean, think about Abraham and Sarah. What they did to involve her servant, boy, that's about as messy as it gets, right? And yet even there, God eventually, he shows his grace, right? But he waits, he waits for Abraham to understand that first. Okay, so when we miss that El Shaddai, that God Almighty is indeed all powerful, often we don't respect his timing, we don't wait for it, and then we don't respect him and walk faithfully with him, and then there's a third thing that we miss, and I think this one is rather glaring. When we don't get that he is the God who can do all things in his might, a lot, of us, a lot of us, we don't truly believe that he is that powerful. And I, I think plenty of American Christians are stuck here, honestly. Like faith in and of itself is not really our strong suit. Like sure, if you did a multiple choice test and it said, hey, do you believe that God can do, which multiple choice tests don't usually start with hey, but uh, hey, do you <laughs> Do you believe that God can do all things, yes or no? I think a lot of us certainly would check yes, right? But we tend to almost be functional atheists when it comes to truly expecting God to do the miraculous in our own lives. You know what I mean? I actually think that one of the reasons that Christians need to come to church every Sunday, you need to read the Bible every day, is because we just honestly need that many reminders about who God really is. Personally, I think a lot of Americans, when they picture God, when they're praying to him, they're not picturing El Shaddai. They're picturing something closer to like hippie Jesus, okay? Like the one who loves the little children and he holds the little lamb in his arms, right? And he he gives grace to everyone. And now certainly there's a slice of that that's true, right? But remember, this is also the God that makes the sun stand still. This is also the God that, hearts, the Red Sea. This is also the God that created the planets with just his word. This is the God that can answer the deepest, most miraculous prayers that are in our hearts. Like, God, would you give me a baby even though I'm 99? Or maybe for you, it's God, would you restore this relationship in my life even though it was me that set it on fire? God, could you turn my life around even if I've been running the wrong way from you for 20 years? God, could you do that? And I would say you bet he can. He's El Shaddai. That's who he is. He is El Shaddai. Now, that doesn't mean that you just come to God and he can do everything that you want him to do right? But it means that we pray like that. That's why one of the phrases we say here all the time, it's a core value, is we as Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, we pray the impossible. We pray the impossible because we worship a God who can make all things possible. And people always respond, they're like, well, what do I do with that tension of like, I don't know what he's gonna do, but I'm supposed to pray like, I always explain it this way. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but I think it's worth saying again. We as Christians are to pray with such faith that we believe God could do anything, and yet trust him with the same level of faith, even if God knows it's better to do nothing. We still pray the impossible, though, because he is El Shaddai, and he's done some incredible things in our lives, and honestly, in our church. And I wanna show you what I'm talking about here. In fact, I'm gonna call the baptismal team on stage at this point, as we are gonna celebrate a baptism this morning. Uh, We love to do this at our church. In fact, we we do it often because baptisms are incredible reminders of what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ, when he paid for our sins. And it's by our faith in him that our sins are washed away. Now, baptism doesn't do that. No one's getting saved today because they got baptized. Baptism is a symbol of what happened when we believed in Jesus, that our sins were washed away. Uh, Every person that you see baptized at Renovation Church uh, is baptized by their sponsors. Now, the sponsors are people that had a spiritual impact on their lives. Often, they're even the people that led them to Christ. It is a high honor at our church. And church, I want you to believe something. In fact, look. At, I know these people are super interesting, but just look at me for just a second. <laughs> I want you to believe that you, I'm talking about you, that you could be in here in this pool within the next 12 months baptizing your friend or family member for Jesus. Do you believe that? Now a bunch of you in your head you just went, no. I don't (laughs) because you don't know them. And I don't but I know our God and our God is El Shaddai. Okay, that's who he is. Do we believe that or do we not? We believe in, and if he is that, then we believe he can do the all things, all things, all things. And so we share the gospel, and then we pray the impossible. That's what we do as his followers. And so at this point, I'm gonna invite our dear friend Holly Fritz on stage to share her testimony.
1: Good morning. Um, my name is Holly Fritz, and I grew up in Florida where church faith in God was not really a major part of my life. My family attended church occasionally, and it was not a foundation or a practice of our family. However, every time I went to church, I felt uneasy. I felt vulnerable, and I was sad. I didn't know God the way um, other kids did that were around me. So I stopped going to church, and so the years went by. Throughout the years, new friends um, in high school and in college, they invited me to come out to events at their church um, and spend special occasions with them as well. But each time I entered a church, I was filled with that same deep emotion, and I just wanted to cry. I couldn't explain it. I didn't understand it, so I ran. In hindsight, I ran the wrong way. I ran from God, who was chasing after me. Fast forward another 10 years, now I'm married, and at the time I had two kids, um, and my marriage was struggling. And of all the thoughts that I could have had during that time, something inside me kept telling me, find a church. So um, our neighbors had recommended Renovation Church to us. So our first church service with Renovation was Christmas Eve in 2018. In that Christmas Eve service, I was hooked by Pastor David's message, and God was really pursuing me hard. After all those years, again, I felt all those emotions swell inside me, and tears were falling down my face. I couldn't believe this was happening to me still. But this time, I didn't run away. We came back and David announced a new series coming up in January of 2019, happily even after. Everything I was searching for was a path paved by God. Those four weeks of the series were so hard, and I cried through every single service, knowing each message was directed to me. God was chasing me, and he pursued me harder than I knew he could. And this time I let him. I listened. Not only was my husband and I repairing our marriage, but we were establishing a Christian foundation for our kids and family. And God kept calling and touching me, and I kept coming each Sunday. I knew I was following God's foundation that He'd set up for me. So in the fall, house group signups came. And I knew very little. I didn't know any of the house group leaders, but I. But I knew one thing, and I looked over to my husband, I said, we have to be in Tuesday night, have to be in Alex Pepin's house group, and Sarah Hawkins has to be my small group leader. Was <laughs> <It's> very adamant. <laughs> so God paved the way and showed me the light, and to which I obliged. Um, I started to attend small group, but every Tuesday, I cried at the most basic questions, such as, what'd you think of David's message? And I couldn't see it right in front of me. It was God inviting me to surrender. After everything building up inside of me, Sarah asked me one night if I wanted to accept Christ, and without hesitation, I said yes. And so on Tuesday at the Alex Bepin's house on November 12, 2019, I cried my way through accepting God as my savior in small group with my Christian family and community. I left that night feeling as though a deep weight was lifted off my shoulders, and I was smiling, and I was excited. However, the next morning I woke up, I felt awful. I was in the worst mood, it carried on to work, where I wasn't my normal, cheerful self, and I just wanted to cry. I did not know what or why it was happening, and in the middle of the day, I missed a call from Alex Pepin. With everything I was experiencing, I didn't listen to the voicemail right away. I waited till I got into my car to leave for work that day. And when I hit, but when I did press play, it was Alex telling me he heard I accepted Christ last night in small group, and that it was amazing. He shared how he accepted Christ and that me accepting Christ was just such an amazing blessing. It was such an impactful voicemail. It saved me in more ways than I can explain. And I'll be forever grateful for that voicemail, which I still have and listened to when I wrote this. (laughs) I shared all this with Sarah. Sarah that day. And it made complete sense when she explained how the devil had disguised himself and tried to pull me away from God with my faith, Um, being so new and being so vulnerable. I was not going to let it happen this time though. Since accepting Christ as my savior, I've been working on learning and following God's words and his ways. I don't always understand the path, the lighter days or the darker days, but I don't run. I put my faith and trust in God. And so my sponsors today are Sarah Hawkins and Alex Pepin.
0: son and the Holy Spirit amen thank you Holly This is what we're about, okay? Um, you know, there's a sign out there in the lobby that says, we, we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, okay? So you're looking at people who've been impacted and come to Christ at our church, now baptizing people who've come to Christ at our church, who are gonna go out and do the same thing. And it's, uh, I wish I didn't have to preach right now, so <clears throat> get myself together, okay. <laughs> but I, I love these Sundays because It takes what is, for some of us, intellectual and conceptual and brings it to the personal, okay? That this God, El Shaddai, is really that powerful that he can transform lives, marriages, family lines. Think about about the difference for their family now, okay? That's, That's who our God is and he changes it. In fact, you see it even in the scripture today. I don't know if you saw this the first time through. I want to show you something. Get this out one more time. And I want you to look a little harder at verse 5. You see a pattern that you actually see a number of times in the Old Testament. And it's about names. Verse 5 says this No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations okay so what this means is actually for the vast majority of abraham's life his name was abram and if you look at the footnote abram means exalted father means important father and i want you to think about how painful that name was for that man okay so traders would come through his village and they would meet him and they would say hey, nice to meet you what's your name and he would say oh, my name is abram and they would say ah oh, abram exalted father how many kids you got That was his life that was his life and then god comes along feels like it's been that way forever right and then god comes along he's 99 and god says and now abram exalted father i'm gonna give you a new name and your name will be Abraham, father of many nations. It's crazy. It is so preposterously wonderful. It's so powerful that Abraham can hardly even believe it and yet it's true and God does it. And my friend, I am telling you, this powerful God, El Shaddai, wants to do the same thing for many of you in this room. See, because you have a name. And some of you, you've been labeled with a name. And for some of you, they call you a failure. Some of you, you've labeled yourself with a name, and you say, you know who I am? I am a bad mom, or I've been a terrible father. For others of you, maybe in truth, the name that you feel like best describes you is a drunk. It's an alcoholic. And maybe you even feel stuck with that name, like that's just who I am, that's what it's been like. But I'm telling you that just like Abraham, God comes to you with a gift, a promise, and a new name. And the gift is his son. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, in your place, for your failures, for your messes, for all of your sins. And the Bible says that if you believe in that and you turn your life over to Jesus, you say, I believe you died for me, here is my life, he promises to turn your life around. What we just saw with Holly, that transformation where you're going, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if my marriage is gonna make it. God turns it around in amazing ways, amazing ways. I'm just looking at their family, amazing ways, okay? That's what he can do. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you get a new name and your name is no longer failure. Your name is child of God. Okay? Your name is no longer drunk or worthless or adulterer. Your name is daughter of God. It is son of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, he will look at you and say, I have seen your past, but I died for your past on the cross. I have forgiven you. I have washed your sins away. And now you come in and you take my family name and I'll give you a new name. God can do that. Listen to me. God can do that even if you're not sure that you can see it yet. And that's what I love about this passage because God gives Abraham this new name. He's been hanging his head forever and God gives him this new name and says, you're going to be a father of many nations and he gives him the new name before Abraham himself could even see it, but God could see it. And to some of you, he sees the same thing. That is the offer in front of you and it is incredible and God can do it. And don't you dare say that your life is too messy, that God couldn't do it. Yes, he can. He is El Shaddai. He will do it, but it takes you, it starts with you saying, I want it. I want it. I want it, I need it. God, here's my life. I believe you died for me, now help me live for you. That's a choice. It's the most important choice of your life. And I wanna give you the chance to make that choice right now. In fact, let's just have everybody close their eyes. Maybe even bow your head. If you need to make that decision for the first time today, to confess your sins to Jesus. Let him forgive you, wash away your sins, and make him the leader of your life. Accept his gift of eternal life in heaven because he will be paying for your sins so now you can go to heaven. If you need to make that in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you kind of a line in the sand moment just to stand up wherever you're at and say, God, it's me. Nobody's looking at you, but sometimes I just think we need that moment where it's like, yeah, it's me, God. It's me. So don't even think about people looking at you. But this is between you and God. And if you need this, this forgiveness, this new name, this new walk with Jesus to be forgiven, if that's you and I'm talking to you, what I want you to do now, just in faith, is just to stand up wherever you're at and say, "God, forgive me. Take my life. I need it, God." If that's you, would you just stand up wherever you're at? Go ahead, right now. Who in here just needs that grace? All right, amen, amen. All right. Anyone else? Anyone else who just needs that new name, that new change, the forgiveness of Jesus? If that's you, let me give you about five more seconds. If you're just knowing, it's me, it's me, just trust it, that's God. Would you just stand where you're at? Okay, for those of you that are standing, we want to pray with you. Okay, this is an important, important prayer. It's not a magic prayer, but it's just a prayer to say, God, this is what's going on in my life right now. Okay? And so I want you to just repeat this prayer out loud after me, whether you've just made this decision or you've made it even long ago. Would you pray this out loud after me? Dear God, I confess confess to you you. that I have sinned against you. you. But God, I believe that you have sent your Son Jesus to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. Uh, for those of you that are standing, you can have a seat. Uh, everybody else, you can, uh, you can all open your eyes. If you made this decision today, uh, this is the most important decision you can make in your life. And it's a decision that you want to know okay, I just made this huge decision. What do I do next? And so after the service, I'm just going to pray. And when we pray, people are going to kind of wander out. I want you to just kind of stay seated just for a minute. And as people wander out, then I want you to make your way up here. I'll meet with you just for a couple minutes, some of them are our follow up team, and I'll give you just for two or three minutes really, really key next steps. So what you do next, so critical that you just come up for a couple minutes, and then we'll get you going, okay? Uh, for everyone else, before I pray, can we just. Can we just, I know we're really reserved Minnesotans. Um, can we just clap and praise the Lord for what he's doing? On yeah. to watch. Okay, let me pray. God, thank you so much for what you're doing. We, we believe it, God. We believe it, that you are El Shaddai. You are all powerful. You transform and you change lives and you're doing it, God. You are doing it and we just love it and we thank you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.